3: That it does, and no coronavirus pandemic is going to stop a podcast. I mean, please, I know we're at a crossroads, apparently, in the sporting world, but it has been a wild week. It has really been Mr. Toad's wild ride, but we are here. To enlighten you, and we figured since there are no sports going on, uh, and it will not be going on, we we can. And this podcast, uh, be, let's be honest, we were ahead of the curb on this because we have not really talked much sports ever since this thing launched, other than Benny versus the Penny, where we would break down NFL games. So we we've now we, we were ahead of the uh, the, the turning point uh, of society where, where everything's on hold. It appears for at least a month. And everyone's walking on eggshells right now trying to figure out what to do. And so uh, we're going to do something a little different on this podcast. Uh, unfortunately, the uh, the illness has not caused Gascon to call in
7: sick. He is still here. Fully uh, so, operational, Ben Maller. Yes, fully operational. We were um, uh, we were that's... immunized, right? I mean, that's kind of what it went down to, right, when we busted this thing open in September of 2019?
3: Yeah, well we're not really if you think about it, we're not real. We live in the magic radio box or podcast box. So we're not really real people. We're just figments of your imagination as a listener. So we really have nothing to worry about. Nothing to worry about. But my goodness, Gascon. I I I used to have nightmares when I was uh, growing up, you know, in the business. I started when I was 19. And I was like I would have like these. I, I, what what happens if there's no sports? And uh, what would I talk about? And uh, <laughs> and here we go. We will find out over the next month what is going to happen. Okay, the so plot how, thickens.
7: How is this any different though from when we get into the dog days of summer, where there's only Major League Baseball going on?
3: Well, it's much different. I'll tell you why. Number one. Uh, we are looking ahead there's there's other drama involved with you know plots in the story about you know in the summer in june for example which everyone bitches about in sports radio the uh, industrial complex of sports radio they complain about june but in june we're about a month away from training camp we're about a month away. There's that second wave of free agency in the NFL, which yeah. carries the conversation. You also have the NBA draft. The finals have ended. The draft's right around that time. Then you're looking ahead to NBA free agency. Like I used to have a program director, and we would go over the sports calendar. It's like everything's kind of choreographed like through certain periods of the year. Now, yeah, there's not as much meat on the bone. It's like getting a, In June, it's like getting a chicken wing where there's just a little <laughs> bit of meat on the bone. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's the, the comp would be if you look at this like real estate. Number two, the comp would be nine eleven, right? And uh, I, I was on the radio back then, and we did shows, and Fox Sports Radio kept moving on. But the sports world in, in September of uh, 2001, there was no NFL for a brief period of time. There was no. Uh, Major League Baseball, but it didn't. I don't think it, it didn't last a month. No, uh, I think it was uh, maybe a, a week or a couple of weeks, and then everything kind of moved back. But this this appears by all indications that we're getting as we are re, uh, recording this podcast. Uh, this looks like it's going to last at least a month. Now, so, now for the
7: man. sake of, for the sake of continuity, Ben, since you have um, you had developed a, a certain NFL bookham. Uh, topic throughout the course of the calendar year in the National Football League. Will we have anything, or will you have anything, that showcase with an NBA quarantine, Bookum?
3: You know, I was actually thinking about since the NCAA tournament, I I don't know if I should give this out right now, and maybe by the time you hear this I will have already used this on the radio. Probably not. Uh, But I was thinking about doing a bracket of deadly plagues. Right, like where where would the coronavirus be? Would it be a one seed or a two seed? We don't know. I would say it's probably like a ten seed right now. The coronavirus, Um, you got to put as your number one seeds the bubonic plague. Bubonic plague, yeah. That's got to be number one. Um, Spanish flu, yeah, famous. uh, That's always a good one. Typhoid fever, yeah, um, you could put that on there, uh, or you know, any scarlet fever. Uh, Black plague would be a number one seed, I would
7: think. H one N one,
3: H one N one. Yes, uh, SARS, Ebola. Yeah, that's uh, some of the more modern. Uh, how about West Nile? Where does? Yeah. What the hell do you do with the West Nile virus? Yeah. Where do you put the West Nile virus? What about the African swine f- uh, fever? What do you do with that? What about hepatitis? That's a good one. Yeah. That is. A, that is. A, I mean. So. Listen, I mean, there's a lot. If you, if I were to put this together, I mean, you, you go down the list there. What about just the mumps? Yeah. You know, there's that smallpox, basic smallpox. Yeah. Uh, I See, mean, there's a lot that has to go into this. I, I got to go in and, and meet with people and because, you know, not every pandemic is the same. Right. Yeah. They're not all equal.
7: So, so you'd put it as high as 10, but consume the fact of how our NCAA brackets typically are, you wouldn't slot the the Wuhan virus as a twelve? You would have put it as a live dog anywhere?
3: I would put it as a ten, yes, um, because people have moved past the stage of reasonability. So you gotta when you put the bracket together, Gascon, the deadly plagues bracket, and really? you've gotta really factor in uh, public perception. It's like it's kind of like how the Lakers every year, when they have a decent team, are the favorites to win the championship. Not it, out of Vegas. Not necessarily because the Lakers are actually going to win, but it's because of liability. And there's a lot of dummies that like the Lakers that bet in Vegas on the Lakers. So it's a way to cover themselves in case. The Lakers end up winning, and so when you put the bracket together, you have to factor in. Listen, if I if I put the coronavirus as a ten, and then I have malaria as a twelve, well, you know, I'm covering myself because I malaria is not as popular as the coronavirus. More people are going to bet on the coronavirus because that's what's going on right now. So, you know, and then at the you know at the bottom, you can go to like the very original biblical plagues. The uh, swarms of locusts, yeah, right from the Bible. You could put that in there. Boom, done. And they still have swarms of locusts, though. That's crazy to me that we still have in certain parts of the country swarms of locusts.
7: Now, so the Spanish flu was originated what nineteen eighteen, right? It was the influenza epidemic. Uh,
3: That sounds right. Sure, we'll go with that.
7: Nineteen (laughs) eighteen and nineteen nineteen. So I got to put you in the spot. I hate doing this, but if we have all these one seeds or twos or threes. Yeah, where's our sixteen? Where is the the UMBC that defeated Virginia two years ago? Like where?
3: Well, I like guess sixteen would be like a basic common cold. That would be a 16, which is not a deadly, but people do die, I guess, occasionally from the cold if you've yeah. got pre-existing health conditions. So I would put, you know, because the cold, nobody gets worried when they have the cold. Right. Who the hell cares about the cold? You get a maybe a day off, I just suck some garlic and I'm good. You know, that's how I do it.
7: So if we went back in reverse, then you'd probably go cold and then pneumonia, right, at 15?
3: Yeah, I think that's not a bad call on that. You know, I'd really have to look. When you get down, I don't even know if we'd have 16 seats. I don't even know (laughs) if we would have that. I mean, you're also, what do you do? I know this is not technically a deadly plague, but if you drink enough of it, it is. How about, what do you do with the water in Flint, Michigan? Oh... Is that a is that a live uh, like a, a nine a nine seed? Is that higher than the coronavirus? Yeah, because you got to think about that. I mean, you're drinking; you need water, right, uh, to survive. Um, so you know. And then what about the classical HIV, yeah. which uh, was a very very big and and still people get HIV. It's, although Magic Johnson's got it, and he seems healthier than anybody.
7: Yeah. Well, like when you think about this at night, how much of an asshole do you got to be to think about this? Just on the what? moments of cancellation with the NCAA tournament and Major League Baseball being postponed, and the NHL suspending their season. Like how? Like what level of? of
6: asshole are we for talking about this. Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
1: At Walgreens, we know February is the season for L-O-V-E. It's also something sweet for your sweetheart season Or my favorite, wait, that's today's season Or the just found out my kid has a crush season Good luck, Mom This Valentine's Day, Walgreens makes it easy to quickly get last minute gifts With pickup in as little as 30 minutes Because if it's Cupid season, it's Walgreens season
4: Right now, premium chocolate bags and boxes are two for $8 Offer ballot through 214 while supplies last Restrictions apply See Walgreens.com
5: for details If I could be you And you could be me
3: Um, well, I'm trying to kill time on a podcast, no, and I'm also like- planning on doing this. <laughs> I'm planning on doing this on the radio at some point if I haven't already done it. All but right. uh, no, because this listen, uh, it, it, desperate times call for desperate measures. Now, I believe that you you know, hack radio is uh, over the holidays, and I've been a great advocate against hack radio. Yes, but my position is evolving here, Gascon. Let me tell you. <laughs> Okay, because the reason I argue against hack radio and you know Christmas or Thanksgiving is because spoiler alert, there's shit going on. You don't have to go down to that level. It's just a sign of being lazy, right? It's a yeah. sign of being lazy., uh, yeah, I'm not saying you always have to break new ground, but there's stuff going on. You Just got to dig a little deeper. Now, I will argue that for the next month, that I might have to do, you, you know, Gascon Radio, List Radio. No, 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 no. Uh, You know, Mount Rushmore Radio. Uh, who are your top four football coaches of all time? Belichick's number one. You put Lombardi, too. What Bill about Bill Walsh? Bill Walsh, a legend from the 49ers. What yeah. do you do with, uh, you know, you look at the Dolphins and the success they had? Parcells. Under Shula. Uh, yeah, Parcells, he didn't win enough, though, right? I mean, he didn't win the big one enough. Yeah, what are you do? What do? How about Andy Reid? Great regular season coach. Sure, where does he rank?
7: Look, we can't do that to the listeners. and I think that the fortune <laughs> thing for you is that you have a base. That doesn't overreact. I think you have a meat and potato-based audience that's built in. Like You don't need a lot of dressing or sauerkraut or onions yeah, or chives. You
3: know, like, well, we'll, we'll, we, we will, the show will go on, so we will find things to talk about. Yeah. I have a feeling we'll be really micro-analyzing and putting uh, random comments made by athletes on Instagram <laughs> and Twitter, and we will put those under the microscope and we will then do entire monologues about a random tweet yeah. from uh, from someone. So I have a feeling we'll get a lot of that. But but and, is there uh, is yeah.
7: there anything that tops the image now of 2020 like Rudy Gobert touching microphones before getting <laughs> sick? Well,
3: he was trying to be funny, uh, and you know, no good deed goes unpunished, right? He thought he was funny. He didn't think he was, uh, you know. Who cares? You know, I'll be, I'll be the jokester. See, there's nothing to worry about here, and uh, there you go.
7: Wow. Well, we're not killing time here, Ben. So, what's on the menu today?
3: All right. So, this is going to be the first of what could become a regular feature on this show. I love documentaries. Can't get enough of documentary. So, for the first time in the history of the Fifth Hour with Ben Maller and that other guy, Gascon, we will have a Siskel and Ebert. That's old school. That's before your time, Gascon. Before my time. I watched clips on YouTube. But a Siskel and Ebert type of review, which... Do you know Siskel and Ebert was the inspiration for Pardon the Interruption? No kidding. Yes. They, uh. Uh, they positioned that show as an homage to Siskel and Ebert. Because Michael Wilbon from Chicago, yeah, and uh, those guys were Chicago guys. But uh, so we'll review a movie. We'll we'll go. I'm going to dig deep here. I, I gave Gascon a homework assignment. I told you, you to watch the movie. Uh, I watched it th- twice, actually. Well, three times, really. Um, part of it for a third time. I very rarely do this. Uh, it's. I mean, I really have to like something for me to watch it. Uh, three times, so that's gonna. Most of what it's gonna be be about. We'll we'll get a grab bag in, actual questions by actual listeners. We got study this and don't stick to sports if Gascon's got anything there. Um. So so we'll get right into it. Yes.
7: Yes. Of course.
3: All right. So we we begin the, the name of the movie, which I guess is kind of important. It is Super Size Me Two. Holy chicken! And the cool thing about this. You don't have to go to the movie theater because nobody can. Everyone's in quarantine. It's free. It's on YouTube. I hooked up. I got a cable. I hook up my my phone to my television, and I watched this thing like I was in theater mode, and it was awesome. It's a film by Morgan Spurlock, the man behind the original Super Size Me two, and it, the, the plot. It's a documentary, but the plot is this guy who was you know a big. I hate fast food, you know this is terrible and all this. well, now he's decided to open his own uh, fast food chicken joint and and uh, so so he goes to Columbus, Ohio, the test they say the test market capital of America. Now, when I was growing up, Gascon, Peoria, Illinois mm. was the test market capital of America. I guess it's moved now to Columbus, Ohio.
7: Well, it's one of the second, I think it's ranked either one or two now in the middle of America, the Midwest countries or Midwest cities in the United States. So it makes sense. You're either
3: Columbus, you, Ohio
7: is ranked number two? Yeah, it's either one or two right now. For what? What ranking are you looking at? In terms of a population and growth. Really? Yeah. You got Chicago. I think you have Chicago, Columbus, and you might swap those orders. And then I believe you go down to Charlotte.
3: Well, Charlotte's not in the Midwest.
7: I, well, I'm, I'm talking about cities itself, like mid-market cities.
3: What about Nashville?
7: I don't know. It's a good question. Austin, Texas, yeah, where all the woke people live. Oh, no, they're here in Los Angeles.
3: Oh, I'm so LA. tired of wo- I'm so, so sick <laughs> and tired of woke people.
7: Well, why? I, we got, I, we got L.A., know. we have San Francisco, we have New York, we have uh, Portland-
3: I just want to get away from the super woke people that are offended by everything and practice virtue uh, signaling. I just need a break. I just enough.
7: So we got Milwaukee that's in there, Cincinnati, Chicago.
3: Milwaukee growing? Yeah. Really? I don't know about that.
7: Traverse City, Michigan. Indy.
3: Yeah, Indy's cool. I've been to Indy. That's a hip town. I like Indy.
7: Yeah. I'm down for Columbus, though. So... I've never
3: I've been to Cleveland. I've never been to Columbus. I don't think I've ever been to... I've been to Ohio a few times, but I've never been to Columbus. Uh, all right, so So anyway, the, the documentary, it fo- it focuses in on big chicken. Did you know there was such a thing as big chicken?
7: No, I did not, but it makes sense now that I saw it.
3: Uh, th- this is crazy. The numbers, and you should never give too many numbers out on an audio broadcast because people aren't taking notes and they can't visualize the numbers, but to, just imagine here... That there are over 20 billion chickens around the globe. There's more than three chickens for every human on Earth. I learned that from the documentary, which I guess makes sense, right? When you think about, you know, chickens kind of a small bird, and there's a lot of there's a lot of people, but people are bigger and they take up uh, more space. The most farmed animal on the planet,
7: yeah, the chicken. Now, with piggybacking off of that number. 1 billion chicken sandwiches are eaten a year?
3: Yeah, well they say that Wendy's, McDonald's, and Chick-fil-A go through about 1.4 billion pounds of chicken per year. That's 3.7 million per day. Yeah. Forty-three pounds of chicken per second. They according to this documentary that people are eating.
7: Now, full disclosure, Ben, when when we yeah. when we eat fat, like when we eat like fat asses, and let's yeah. say the places that we go to: McDonald's, Jack in the Box, Burger King, Wendy's, Chick fil A, Carl's Jr., Raising Cane's, Raising Cane's. Yeah. How many of those places do you actually eat chicken sandwiches at?
3: You know, I'm more of a chicken strip guy, but I'm still eating chicken. When I used to go to Wendy's back in the day, I I loved the Wendy's chicken sandwich. Really? I almost never got burgers at Wendy's. I always got the chicken sandwich at Wendy's, the fried chicken sandwich, and I got a side of nuggets, and I got it upsized, and I love that. Yeah. My wife loves Chick-fil-A. The family's all about the Chick-fil-A, but I'm I'm fine. It's not terrible, but it's not as good as Raising Cane's.
7: Wow. Now, see, I I only eat burgers at In-N-Out or Carl's Jr., but if you go to McDonald's, Chicken McNuggets, Chick-fil-A, Spicy Chicken Sandwich, if I go to Jack in the Box, it's always two tacos and two chicken sandwiches, and it's like five bucks. So it's pretty well-priced. You're such a pig. I am. I'm fat. When I watched this bed, I had two thoughts. (laughs) I want to eat, and I want to throw up.
3: (laughs) (laughs) yeah my wife when we were watching it she's like I forced her to watch it and she oh, was into good. it she was and and she's like oh, I guess we're not eating chicken anymore I'm <laughs> like no I'm eating chicken I mean I mean I don't you know I'm I'm not gonna stop my eating my chicken Um but it's crazy. I mean, we're more likely to eat chicken than we are beef now. Yeah, chicken overtook beef a couple of years ago, according to this this uh, the movie. Super Size Me, too.
7: Now, because this all was intertwined, so people will know this when they start watching it. But the way that the marketing worked was fantastic. But yeah, yeah,
3: I, I'm going to get into that. But the marketing's unbelievable.
7: But the way that they mentioned that with the chicken supplanting beef. Well, that that thing that goes just into the way that it's prepared, right? Cooked and and grilled. Yeah, yeah exactly.
3: People, the, the the chicken sandwich has become the new the new burger, yeah. and it's it's the number one sandwich in America. And uh, we'll get to that. But but wait, there's more numbers, Gaskin. I have yep. more numbers. I, I scribbled down some more numbers. Numbers here. Uh, there are nine plus billion. They call them the Ross Cross Large Double Breasted Chicken. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Oh. I didn't know I've never heard of this. Have you ever heard of this? No. I, I'm not really in the poultry business, but this is the fastest growing broiler chicken hatched each year. Did you did you see the numbers on this? No. This stood out for me too. I did. <laughs> yeah, th- these are bred for the meat obviously cuz yeah. you know, the poultry game, but 6 weeks after they hatch, they are ready to be sent to the slaughterhouse and go to the dinner table. 6 weeks. Yeah. Lifespan of 6 weeks.
7: I, I could not believe the process from start to finish about how Morgan actually developed his his own little farm.
3: With yeah, in Alabama, chicks. right? He yes. went to Alabama. Yeah.
7: yeah. The creator was in Alabama. He actually drove up for the for the grand opening, and the monopoly that's amongst the the chicken and Tyson Chicken in particular really controls the yeah. market. Well,
3: that's Big Chicken. Yeah, yes. that's Big Chicken. But but just to follow up here on the the. Ross Cross's large, double-breasted, fastest-growing broiler chicken. Um, They say 70 years. They've been researching this for 70 years. So let's do the math on that. What are we looking at, 1950, roughly? Yeah, 50. Yeah, pretty good math, huh? 1950. (laughs) And they were bragging about the research. It's selective breeding. And from... Originally, when they started this 70 years ago, it took between 16 and 20 weeks for a chicken to be big enough to go to, to make a chicken sandwich, and it's down to six weeks. Every year, they take a day off the breeding, uh, the time it takes. So, I mean, given enough time, are we looking at a chicken being hatched and then a week later, <laughs> it's uh, ready to go to the slaughterhouse?
7: That's dangerous, and and the most profitable chickens to be had- are the males.
3: That's right, baby. How oh. about us? Let's hear it for the boys. Man. Come on, ladies. Sorry. Oh, bad job by you.
7: <laughs> so yeah. chicks and females are, are obviously low on the totem pole of the slaughter. Males, the top dog, and the most profitable.
3: Yes, and... This is uh, this is crazy. Did you see the? They had a little graph. Yeah, I don't give everything away, but I don't yeah. care. I mean, most people aren't gonna watch it, but uh, you should watch it. If you watch it, I don't think this is any. I'm mean, giving too much away. Who cares? Yeah. Um. So they said if a human being, a child was born and grew at the same rate as yeah. the modern day broiler chicken, yeah. a two month old baby, right? Sixty days in the life would weigh 660 pounds (laughs) now that's a fat baby yeah that is a a fat baby but it's plus
7: or minus the uh, plus or minus the fake grill marks on the baby right
3: yeah oh yeah well yeah exactly but uh, 90 plus percent of consumers are going for the fried or crispy Version rather than the grilled and uh, and and they, it, it, it's really interesting and I love that. I want to get into the marketing stuff because I this is right in my wheelhouse yeah. you know, I have uh, ranted about weasel words and sports and advertising uh, for years I remember when I had an epiphany and I read in a book that the term best was a was a weasel term and that just set me off on a course in my life where I then wanted to learn about weasel words because. Uh, in the advertising, there were lawsuits about you know this, this place, this you know pastrami shack. We'll just use that as an example. Said they had the best pastrami sandwich in the world, um, and then so somebody sued and all that, and they determined that the legal definition in advertising for the term "best" is as good as everything else in that category. Meaning, you can have seventeen thousand mom and pop sandwich shops that all have the world's best sandwich. And that uh, I, I just blew me away. That stuck with me. And I, when seeing the marketing weasels take over in this documentary, this new Morgan Spurlock documentary, I guess it came out last year, but I just saw it. it's free on YouTube now. Yeah. Um, the health halo—that was a good one. Yeah. That now this is what marketing people do is they have associated you know, certain terms associated with certain products that are only there to make you feel healthier. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they call it the health halo. Yeah. Shouldn't we do that in sports radio? Shouldn't we do terms that make us seem more, you know, on the ball? And-
7: yeah, but how many guys have that kind of diversity with their language? That's the other thing, too. It's almost like real estate, Ben. You know this. Like, you can't have the old terminology is you can't have a mansion in a ghetto, and you can't have a ghetto surrounded by mansions. So, this kind of goes back to your point about the unhealthiest food is surrounded by all of this green. They do it not only in the food itself, but in the ambiance of all the venues, like McDonald's, uh, a Chick-fil-A, a Burger King, like the wall, the writing on the cups, yeah, like yeah. everything.
3: I mean, there's these little mind tricks that they've figured out yeah. by studying human nature. And But the some of the examples they used in the documentary, they use terms like fresh, yeah. natural, handcrafted artisan
7: free range
3: free range uh homemade yeah uh that's uh that's also one uh, in, in
7: crispy uh, not yeah.
3: fried <laughs> yeah uh, fried has evolved you got to get it right here guess god fried evolved to crispy
7: yeah there you go and
3: i didn't even notice because i always say uh, when i would go to wendy's back in my big eating days and I'd get the chicken sandwich combo. I'd like the fried chicken sandwich combo. And uh, I would like upsized, and I want some fried chicken nuggets. But now it's crispy. Yeah. At some point, I was not paying attention, and I failed. I failed society, and it became crispy. Uh, how about this? 100% natural, all 100% natural, natural farm to table. Yeah. That's a big one, right? Better for you. Yeah. Means nothing. None of those terms mean anything. <laughs> Hormone
7: free? <laughs> Hormone free is another one. Hormone free is another one. Uh, and and um, then, they, then they also explain the difference between natural or organic because most people think natural yeah. is organic and that's not the case at all.
3: Yeah, I mean, and they make organic, um, but this was very eye-opening for my wife, who, unfortunately, and she's admitted to it, she uh, when she goes to the store, she sees terms like fresh, natural, yeah. uh, farm-to-table, and gets very excited and wants to buy those products, because they usually, you know, they, she assumes, you assume the position that they're better for you, I get it, mm-hmm. um, but then they, they talked about younger people who look for quality ingredients, they want transparency. Yeah. They said, and you know, what are the additives or the preservatives? And uh, you mentioned free range yeah. or cage free, which was a big part of the documentary. Uh, but to, to continue this train of thought, marketing weasels—we have deceptive advertising. All natural—they the, claim, and this was this this really stuck out to me in this documentary. The most misleading claim in the poultry meat business is all natural. Because, as you said, the average person thinks it's organic, and it's not. Did you? See, this is this is so Weasley. Yeah. This is like one of the great Weasley things I've ever ever uh, watched or heard about. All natural, according to the United States Department of Agriculture, means minimally processed, no artificial ingredients. But here's the key part: it only means what happens after the animal has been killed
0: it has nothing to do with how the animal was raised oh now that is outstanding discover bet mgm the betting app sports fans in the capital region turn to for non-stop action all winter long take the excitement of football basketball and hockey to the next level with same game parlays exclusive signature bets odds boost promos and much more
3: hormones to poultry right so it's impossible but yet they still claim no added hormones they're not allowed to add hormones
7: and one of the things because people might be asking how is this even possible how do they get around this well morgan actually discovers and through q a that the usda they don't have enough money to be testing these animals for any kind of hormones so they just believe it from from the suppliers from the farmers yeah I it's called no
3: the honor system. Yeah.
7: They're doing the honor system <laughs> with the food, the honor system. Uh, Think about this, the honor system ever
3: work? No. You know, my my dad when I was a kid, my my old man would he was his parents smoked, all my grandparents smoked and my my dad was like, "Oh, so against smoking when I was growing up." And he would go on these rants about smoke they used to have vending machines selling cigarettes. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, based on the honor system, and he would just those teenagers—they don't honor the honor system. They're buying those cigarettes. You know, no, you go on and on. Nobody honors the honor system. Who who honors the honor system?
7: Nobody. Now, no, exactly. Quick question. Yes. Was that the most eye popping thing for you, or was it the free rage, quote unquote <laughs>
6: patio?
3: Well, that was also great. That that was good. But the fact that, you know, these misleading, I mean, you cannot add hormones, but yet they brag about no added hormones. Yeah. You can't, you're not allowed to do it. Uh, The cage-free thing was good, though. That is another misleading thing. Yeah. Uh, Meat chickens in the United States have never been raised in cages. Yeah. So when you say cage free, that's another one of those things. It's you know you it's not true. It's never been true. Uh, uh, and then a humanly raised.
6: Yeah. Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific.
5: If you love to be remembered as the person who gives the best birthday gifts.
3: Did you see they said that the people that make the chicken are allowed to determine what that means?
7: <laughs> it, it, I think it goes back to the part where they were mentioning where you have the farm itself, but you can't have the chicks and then eventually the chickens outside for a long period of time either because the temperatures are so hot, these chickens will die from a heart attack because yeah. of how fast they grow.
3: Yeah, and, and in the documentary, if you watch this, and you know, God knows you should, uh, the cage-free thing. Yeah. Uh, was was great. And free range, that was a big part of this. And they actually had the area, which was just like, a, what was it, a couple of feet,
7: it's like two a, feet? It's like a chick paddock.
3: <laughs> yeah, it was like a patio. It was like a chicken chicken patio to go out and see the sun. And, uh, and the cool thing about that is they determined that even if the chickens don't actually choose to go outside, if they have the option of going outside. Yeah. It counts as free range, right? Is that is that right? (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly it. Free range, and uh, and the USDA again, they will if you vouch for the safety of the food, they will just rubber stamp. They will just rubber stamp. And the other thing that was great, you know, following the weasel uh, mantra which we're talking about right now, is the fact that they said in the documentary that a lot of these terms, these very woke terms such as free-range, GMO-free, gamely-raised. Yeah. These came from protesters. These were the activists against the chicken industry, and the chicken industry's like, oh, fuck them, we'll just copy their terms. (laughs) And they did. It's unbelievable. I mean, these these people that were running around, you know, trying to change the chicken business. The chicken business is like, oh, fuck it. We won't change anything, but we'll just uh, you know, just use these terms.
2: Now,
7: I, I did come to a realization. I didn't know this from, from the doc until they, they showed it, but I didn't realize that Chick-fil-A has a lot of MSG in their sandwiches.
3: Well, that's the key to get people. It's a way to get people hooked on food.
7: Yeah, that's the sugar, right? It's pretty much that. That's your that's your fix for you crave it. Yeah,
3: Yeah, exactly. Um, Well, wouldn't be if you were like a you know young mom. And you want your kids hooked on your food, just put MSG in your food at home. You can buy it. Your kid will never leave home. Uh, Your kid will be like, I'm, you know, or your dad, I don't care, mom or dad. You're crazy.
7: Now, getting away from just this for a second, has there ever been a food or drink that you've ever been addicted to? And.
3: Oh, God. I was a soda addict, man. I really? would go to 7-Eleven, get the super giant Big Gulp. I'd, yeah. I'd fill it up. I'd drink about half of it in the 7-Eleven, and then I'd go back, fill it up again oh, before I checked out of the 7-Eleven. Uh, I love soda. I, I believe a lot of my obesity came from drinking soda.
7: Yeah, the sugar...
3: Yeah, I loved it, man. It's empty calories, and you know, now that I'm an, you know, angry uh, middle aged loser, uh, I look back at that and think about some of the, the uh, amazingly poor life choices I made uh, in the food department.
7: Now, do you what think, about you, guys? I was you say, mean, do, you, do, you do you think I was worse or better off because I, I went down the road of energy drinks? So when I was like 20 or 21, our whole thing was go to Vegas and order Red Bull vodkas so you can stay up all day, all night for 24 to 48 hours. And I've been on energy drinks ever since. Well, that,
3: that can kill you quicker because you can have a heart attack. Yeah, so,
7: yeah. And I, didn't I guess know,
3: I, you I, win. I, it's a long-term thing when you drink soda. You get the illnesses as you age. But, yeah. You know.
7: now, and that's the other thing, too, is because I, I didn't know this, but some of the Instagram accounts that I follow, a couple of the guys are, are heavy into – life-changing experiences, like guys that have been big and now are leaned out or whatever, but they'll do like five to 10-minute testimonials, and what they do is they diagram the ingredients on energy drinks and say, okay, like for Bang. Bang is an example where it shows that there's no sodium and there's no sugar, and they label it, they advertise it, there's creatine in it, all this other stuff, BCAAs, and then you read the fine label, and then there's other ingredients in there that are actually sugars, but you don't see it because it's so fine in print that you ignore it cuz you see the other things that pop out at you when, you know with the naked eye so yeah i I've, I've been like that with bang with five hour energy uh, with red bulls with rock stars like all those yeah. drinks i'm i'm guilty as charged
3: i never got into it and i remember when red bull kind of came on the scene and i was working in radio at the time yeah. and they were giving the radio station i worked at a lot of free product As a way to get the people on the radio to use it. And I mean, whenever you wanted a Red Bull, there was like cases of it uh, down the hall. And I never really got into it uh, too much, but there were people that were completely addicted to the Red Bull. Yeah. Did not get enough of it.
7: Um, I I mean, Vegas for me, that's what it was. Like early 2000s, it was Red Bull and vodka in a lounge or a club. And you stayed up all day, you stayed up all night, and then you eventually crashed, but it was after your weekend extravaganza. So, yeah, it was really bad. And, and obviously, looking back at it now, it's pretty reckless, but that's what you do in your 21 or 22.
3: Yeah. So, uh, continuing on with the documentary, though, I I love words. Yeah. And I like to. I feel like I'm self-educated. I really didn't pay attention in school. And I feel like I've learned more since I got out of school than I learned in school. Because I try to learn a different word, two every day. And try to figure out if they're, they're too long to pronounce, if I could use them in my lexicon. I, I did not know of the word bucolic. Did, were you aware of the word buc- bucolic? You no, know what that means? No. They used it in the documentary. So I went to the Google. And I looked it up. I went to the uh, interweb, and they Because they talked about this bucolic uh, I think I'm pronouncing it correct. Yep. Maybe I'm not. Uh, this bucolic notion that what goes on on the farm in America is just like when you grew up and you had those little farm toys and yes. all that. Yeah. But bucolic means relating to the pleasant aspects of the countryside or country life.
7: Now, quick like question.
3: It's kind of like another an, an, a, a synonym for that would be like rustic.
7: Right. Okay. Okay. So right. so does this correspond to the the Wendy's barn that's in their logo? Was that what it was?
3: Uh I'm not I don't remember that part of it but the, there was some marketing guy that was pretty good and he was like talking about how um, essentially the people have this idea of what farming's like because of when they were kids playing with little toys. You yeah. know, you see, and I had the same toys. I, you probably did. We all did. You yeah. know, you had the little farm set with your tractor and your barn and your cow and your chicken and all that stuff. And uh, and then the other thing, which, and I have I've repeated this a couple times this week, and it is true, and I learned this a while ago about human nature, that people do not, take in stuff through fact, they take in stuff through stories. Yeah. And this is problematic with the coronavirus, for example, because you have the facts and you have the stories and the stories are really scaring the shit out of everyone. The facts for most people, not that bad, but people are hearing and learning and, uh, and consuming like a sponge. The stories and they're not going with the facts, and that becomes problematic.
7: Now, when you've traveled across the United States, Ben, have you ever gone to a city where it was freezing cold that you had to wear uh, ear and hand mitts?
3: Oh, yeah, sure. I Absolutely. I've been to several cities like that. Yeah. All
7: right, so that was one of the funnier parts of this documentary. It's early on. It's probably about 20 or 30 minutes in. But what Morgan does is he balances between every fast food restaurant. And when he went to Burger King to order a chick- chicken sandwich, <laughs> yeah. he actually took one bite of it and the entire chicken filet, the patty, was hollow. <laughs> so he fingered it with like He put three fingers through it. It looked like a mini uh, mitt. <laughs> <laughs>
3: like, yeah, mark tape man. yeah it's pretty much it i just like oh my
7: fucking gosh that is that's exactly what we eat right <laughs> just emptiness. yeah it
4: was... <laughs>
3: and the, yeah it was pretty i i you know i no uh no knocking burger king but i've had that same experience i used to go with the burger king chicken sandwich oh, okay. which is elongated the yeah. Burger King chicken sandwich, elongated, because my, my grandfather, may he rest in peace, loved Burger King. He loved Pizza Hut and Burger King; his oh. two favorite restaurants. Nice. So we go out with Grandpa. He was the Yiddish guy from uh, Massachusetts, and we'd go out with him, and he he spoke Yiddish. I learned the the Yiddish words from him. But uh, we'd go to like Burger King, and he'd get like a Whopper burned up through the grill twice. <laughs> That's yeah. where I learned to love uh, my uh, my love of uh, overcooked foods, and then. Uh pizza to too. And, and I remember him taking napkins with pizza Hut pizza back years ago when I was a kid and sucking the the grease and and going through like a whole like seventeen napkins to yeah. get all the the oil and grease off the very top of the chick of the uh, pizza man but uh and the other thing did you see the the part that stood out to me too is the that every company has to have a story yeah be, You have to have an advertising campaign, which is a story. You can't just say, hey, my food's better. You have to tell them why your food is better. You've got to weave a good tale.
7: Yeah, but that's where these marketing directors and executives and content creators come in. And it is absolutely fascinating just to see how they kind of wind those words. Like you mentioned, the language that's around that. Because those words will pop up at you. And because you think, well, because you've never seen it before or never used in that kind of a sphere, it, it, it gives you like that warm, comforting feeling, along with the co- colors and the atmosphere of the building themselves that you order in. Oh, and then the packaging.
3: Yeah, the packaging is a good one with that. But essentially, the big takeaway is that we're, we're all guinea pigs, yes. and the food companies are counting on us to follow human behavior yeah. to increase their sales. I mean, they, they even said in there, they said, listen uh the The companies do market research uh, which obvious everyone in business does market research, but you they determine like if people buy more food because there's salads on the menu, they put salads on the menu even if and they, I think they said in part of this maybe i maybe I just imagine this that they they have the salads on the menu, but they don 't really sell that that they'll they 'll put like two healthy items wrapped around a crispy chicken sandwich. And people will buy the crispy chicken sandwich somehow, thinking because it's surrounded by two nice, supposedly healthy items, that they're okay.
7: Well, the amazing thing is with that market research, I think this all goes all the way back up to the top of the food chain—no pun intended—but of the way that Tyson manipulates the market, where they pay out on a tournament scale. Farmers... Yeah,
3: it's a rig. It's a rig system. That's wild, right? Uh, uh yeah, it is a oh, wild. Wow. But I. I like this whole thing blew me away. Like the mar- I keep going with the marketing stuff, and then the I didn't know about anything about the rig system. I didn't know what the hell Big Chicken was. I had no idea what that was. Yeah, um, but just the whole. The whole thing, the free range part, which we reference, where the USDA allows you to use free range mm. as long as the chickens have access to the outdoors, but they don't have to, you know, use it. It's just the whole thing is just ridiculous.
2: Nah, it's
3: just craziness. The greenwashing—I think it was the term they used yeah. of the food industry—because consumers they determine want to feel like. The, the the businesses are being honest and the, the, you know you can trust the, the businesses, but it's still junk food. It's just repackaged junk food with a green label on
7: it. Yeah, labeled the different way. I, I will. But,
3: but let's get into the rig system because you're right. I mean that's a big part of this, yeah. and I feel bad. We have a lot of farmers that listen to the show, guys that yeah. get up early on the farm and and listen to the overnight show, which is I guess a morning show for them, and you know getting up <laughs> before the sun rises. And yeah, I mean this was brutal, man. This is what a bunch of. <laughs> Scumbags. I mean, I got to use a word bigger than Mama Luke and Dingleberry. Uh, how about assholes? How about that? Is that a good one? Yeah, uh,
7: Greedy yeah. ass mothers.
3: Yeah. Uh, so, Big Chicken, they have farmers competing against other farmers. It's not an equal playing field. And there have been some lawsuits. As you said, it's a tournament system. A, they claim it's a merit-based competition. Yeah. But they pit farmer against other farmer, you know, grower, etc., and uh, and you're ranked. It's like, you know how you have the power rankings every week when yeah. we used to have sports in America? Yeah. And they'd have power rankings every week and all that. And uh, and they weigh how much, you know, they, you're ranked on how much the birds weigh and how much they eat the and sex. how many chickens survive, yeah. right, and all that.
7: Yeah. It goes by sex, uh, and, and it goes, I think it's one through 11, that's how it was ranked between farmers that were – uh, supplying the, the Yeah, chicken. and they,
3: they have a set amount. It's the big pot, and then if you have the most successful chickens, uh, that's great. You get the most money, if not. And on the surface, what's wrong with that, right? That's capitalism because, A, if you do well, you should get more. The problem, as they explain in the documentary, is that big chicken dictates everything. So it's not a level playing field. No. Like, they determine what birds you get, what you're supposed to feed them. And if you end up getting a bunch of sick birds, doesn't matter. Right? They send you a bunch of female chickens that don't grow as fast as male chickens. Uh, fuck you. You're
7: screwed. And then it's on top of that, the racket even gets amplified because of the way that, like, let's say, for example, I'm Tyson and you're a farmer. Well, to keep yourself in business, then I could sell to you a heater or a water pump, or something else that puts you more in hock. And so you're more in debt while trying to keep yourself afloat. And at the same time, you're barely making ends meet because your chicks don't grow at the level of other competing farmers.
3: Yeah, they they said in in the documentary, and obviously this is one side of the story, Big Chicken didn't respond. Yeah, But the goal is to control these farmers right they want to get them just above the water or just a little bit below the water and it's like a control mechanism to keep everyone under the thumb and so they stay in lockstep with big chicken yeah this is crazy yeah this is absolutely absolutely nuts um and it's like a legal way as they said in there from from stealing from people it was like uh, what, what's wrong with just if, you know? You're based on how many chickens you you get paid per chicken it should be equal. Yeah. What's wrong with that?
7: And, if, and and the process doesn't change every month. So if you and I were were competing farmers, but if your way to grow the chickens was exactly the same month in and month out, something changes. And or God forbid, if you speak up against yeah. Big Chicken, then you also get a demerit too
3: oh yeah they were the, one of the guys though the guy in the documentaries who yeah. uh, worked with morgan Spor- spurlock he um pointed out that he had been um blackballed ostracized uh, whatever term you want to use there because uh, of that but it's it's just nuts and, and as you pointed out we talked about it here uh the, they they dictate everything so it's really nothing changes other than them uh, the big chicken people and then you're you're fucked. All right, so time now for the final Maller film review scale of 1 to 10. Now, 10, I love these documentaries. I think one of the great documentaries I've seen in recent years, it's been a couple years, uh, was Get Me Roger Stone. Yeah. <laughs> I recommended that to you, Gaston, remember?
7: yeah. You're betting a 1,000 right now. Yeah, that's a 10.
3: Uh, this documentary, uh, 1 to 10, I'm going to give this a 10 also. Yeah. I believe this was a 10. I watched it multiple times. I mean, hell, we're doing a whole podcast about this, so uh, on the Mahler scale of enjoyment, I I put this as a 10. I learned new marketing terms I didn't know about. I learned about how farmers are getting fucked over. I didn't know about that. Uh, I love the whole uh, advertising human nature thing. I, I'm, I'm fascinated by how we're all wired and, and how people don't even realize that they're being uh, hoodwinked rather, and horn swoggle and all this. I... Uh, I think it's great. So, again, the movie is Super Size Me Two, Holy Chicken by Morgan Spurlock. It is absolutely free on YouTube, last I checked. It's like an hour and 45 minutes, and I give it a 10. Gascon, do you have a uh, Gascon film score?
7: I I think, unlike the Aaron Hernandez documentary that we talked a little bit about, this one is up there for so many reasons. I think the biggest one is it encompasses everything. And you as a consumer or you as a business owner can relate to it in any kind of market that you're in. And I think Morgan was extremely thorough on this. When he did his market research, it wasn't like he went to one ad agency. He went to multiple ad agencies. He went to his competitors. And the best part, Ben, I think, was he actually went to his biggest critics, too, because he made several phone calls to the chicken industry and executives that were like, hey, Are you the guy that did the documentary? And he said, Yeah, I am. I'm also a farmer, too. And, you know, they they obviously would avoid him, ditch his phone calls, never return anything. But I thought it was great from start to finish. Just the process alone would wake you up to how chickens are obviously produced and then bred, if you will, and then the finalized product. It was fun. So, what's your
3: one to ten? Ten, yeah. Ten, ten, all right, ten, all right. Uh, But you.
7: Are betting a thousand two for two on the recommendations with these uh, uh, these documentaries. That's a re- that's a really. I good watch one. a
3: lot of shitty documentaries, but when I see a good one. It's like wow! I got to tell everybody. Yeah, and I want to tell everyone in the village. I, f- I found a good documentary, <laughs> and uh, you know, it's kind of like that McMillions thing, which I think is also a ten. Yeah, and I'm going to watch the final episode this weekend from HBO. That's also a wonderful documentary. But it's you know, a lot of this stuff shit. And and the fact that I stumbled upon this one on YouTube of all places. Yeah. That that was like craziness, but so. But just the final takeaway though, is, though. Is, is the final takeaway though is like I'm am I going to stop eating chicken? No, no, uh,
0: I'm not going to stop eating chicken. I'm not. The only thing that will really change about this is I, I feel discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the capital region turn to for nonstop action all winter long.
1: Welcome, Allison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's of a very all slow. The, of all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> don't forget to listen to 20 questions on the deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank
5: you.
3: Bad for farmers. I don't know how I can help farmers. Maybe if you have an idea on how I can help a farmer, that would be good. And then... Uh, next time I go to a restaurant, I will notice all the subtle terms that I really haven't paid any attention to in the marketing. You know, all these little, you know, free range and all natural, the health halo. Because um, that 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 health halo thing just they, they kept referencing that. That bloom so, so that's how this will affect.
7: Now, do you think he was taunting the market when he? Because his menu. Actually had halos on certain food products too. Like, do you think? <laughs> yeah, it looks like the market? angels
3: hat. Yeah, the, uh, the old angels hat with the halo on the side.
7: <laughs> yeah, that was pretty damn good, man. I, I, what provoked you to watch that anyway? Because it's an hour and forty minutes. So it's not yeah, like-
3: that's long. You know, I, I, every Friday uh, when I get done with the gym and I come home, I'm like, I, I always try to watch a documentary at least one during the weekend. And, like, I've watched most of the stuff on Netflix, so I was surfing around, and I just stumbled upon this out of, I don't know how the hell it, it came up on my my computer, but I, I'm always, like, Friday I spend maybe 20, 30 minutes trying to find something to watch that night, uh, and this just, this happened, and it was great, and... uh so, watch. If you're into documentaries, uh, tell me if you agree with the film review here. And uh, we might have to do this every week now, guess guess. I
0: might have to find
3: <laughs> one until, until things get back to uh, normal, whatever the fuck normal is in the sports world. We uh, might have to get back to that.
7: All right. So, for engagement purposes then, because... Obviously getting Roger Stone was politics. Yeah. This is for food. Uh, sure. So what kind of genre would we go through next with the documentary? We've done murder, I guess, or or sports with Aaron. Aaron Hernandez. Hernandez. Yeah.
3: Um yeah, you know there was one a couple of years ago that was on Netflix about a music producer that was also a 10. Dr. Dre? No, no. It was about this like guy, this uh this random guy who had been associated with all these great music acts who had moved to Hawaii. Hmm. I don't even remember the name of it now. I wish I did because I'd have you watch it, and then I'd watch it again, and then we'd kill the <laughs> podcast next week. If, if anybody knows, uh, I'm very—I'm not giving out a lot of details, but he—he he, uh, it was a film, big big movie, not movie, a uh, big music mogul, and had a very interesting life in Hollywood. Worked with all these big music acts. Uh, was connected to like everybody in the business and then he moved to Hawaii and he hung out and smoked weed with Willie Nelson and Don Nelson and uh, and all that in in Maui and um i don't remember it was on Netflix a few years ago
7: i got to look anyway, that
3: up then that's pretty good i don't remember the name though uh grab bag you want grab bag
7: yeah is it quincy
3: no that's not the name of it no wait wait hold on wait, let me let me check hold on a second let me yeah uh,
7: what'd you say quincy yeah quincy
3: Documentary? Uh, No. Hold on, let me see. Uh,
7: Travis Scott, Homecoming. No, it's Beyonce. Quincy was one. No,
3: it's not. Quincy's about Quincy Jones, right? Yeah. No, it's not that. This is like an old white Jewish guy. Oh. You know. Uh, So that's what that was about. But anyway.
6: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at FoxSportsRadio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
4: Look through your children's eyes to see the true magic of a forest. It's a storybook world for them. You look and see a tree. They see the wrinkled face of a wizard with arms outstretched to the sky. They see treasure and pebbles. They see a windy path that could lead to adventure. And they see you, their fearless guide through this fascinating world Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad
2: Council. And we're live here outside the Perez family home just waiting for the, and there they go. Almost on time this morning. Mom is coming out the front door strong with a double arm kid carry. Looks like dad has the bags. Daughter is bringing up the rear. Oh, but the diaper bag wasn't closed. Diapers and toys are everywhere.
1: Like making sure your kids are buckled correctly in the right seat for their age and size. Learn more at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat.
0: Visit
6: NHTSA.gov
1: slash the right seat. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.
3: All right, uh, so grab back. These are actual questions from actual listeners uh, to the podcast uh, like yourself. Eric in Omaha writes in. He says, how much should we blame the Astros for everything that has happened in the sports world so far this year? I say 60% Astros, 37% Rob Manford, 3% China. It's from Eric in Omaha.
2: <laughs> <China>? <laughs> oh,
3: man. I'm gonna blame the person in Wuhan, China that decided to have some nice bat. That's that's who I'm gonna blame. How about that? You know, that's, that's a good call. crazy, man. It's absolutely crazy. Uh, uh, Lupe from Mission Penedera Penedero? You ever heard of that in California? No. P E N D E J O.
7: Yeah, I know what Pendejo is.
3: I know. All right. Uh, anyway, uh, he writes and he says, uh, "Can't be the only one that thinks uh, Chris Carter looks like the California raisin." Uh, feel free to discuss. He sent a photo, which obviously I can't show you right here, um, but uh, he—I uh, got to tell you—not uh, not a bad uh, reference. He does look like uh, to me uh, the uh, California raisin, Chris Carter. Who knew? Oh boy, yeah.
7: Formerly of FS1,
3: briefly. Briefly event for this one. I don't know what he's doing these days. I don't know what has got going on. But, uh, by the way, that guy from Mission Viejo, where I used to hang out, I went to Saddleback College, which is right there, yeah. sandwiched uh, right around between Rancho Santa Margarita on one side. You had Laguna Hills. Lake uh, Forest. Lake Forest is right there. Yeah. Uh, go a little further south, uh, you've got, well, over near the ocean, you had Laguna Beach.
7: San Clemente. Beautiful.
3: Yeah. Dana Point's down there. Awesome. Very white collar. Yeah. That's a well. Yeah, it's white. Of course, you yeah. go to college in a white collar place. But I'm from the mean streets of Irvine, California. Yeah, yeah sure. And right. I lived on the north part of town, the bad part of town, the wrong side of the tracks. Yeah, where I lived, it's very difficult. A lot of tough track housing when I was growing up there. I had a lot of uh, strip malls I had to deal with. It was a big problem. Yeah. I survived them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Uh, Jason from Tampa writes in. This is my question is if you had to be quarantined. In the Fox Studios because of this uh, coronavirus, would you be with who would you be with out of your four, these four options? Uh, Eddie Koopaloop, Roberto, or that Snake Gascon?
7: Oh, you know it would be me. No way. Of course it would be.
3: No, no, you'd be yeah. annoying, and you, know, yeah. you don't know how to park. And I, don't, I, I can't imagine your bedroom, uh. like uh, your bathroom and bedroom habits. You can probably fart all the time. It's disgusting. Uh, so uh, no, I'd probably go with Roberto because he'd cook. You know, cooking with Roberto.
7: That's not racist.
3: He do well. No, he does a segment, dummy, <laughs> called "Cooking with Roberto." And he likes to cook.
7: If we're quarantined here in the studio, we have no goddamn grill. We have nothing in here except for microwave. You can microwave. cook in the
3: microwave?
7: Oh, yeah. What, Come gonna, on, re- man. You're going to reheat frozen food. You're not going to cook anything. Just nuke it. Oh, Just that's, nuke it. That's not cooking. It. Yeah, it is. My no. dad,
3: According to my dad, it's cooking. He I, puts everything in the microwave.
7: So what happens if Roberto starts drinking then? Oh, that would be a problem. Exactly.
3: It would have to be a dry uh, quarantine. Yeah. But, like, Coop would just smoke weed. That would give me a headache. Um, Eddie would want to talk about hockey or wouldn't talk at all, so I don't <laughs> think that would be any fun.
7: You know? Yeah. That'd be uh, dangerous.
3: So I, yeah, I'd go with Roberto. That'd be my guy. Uh, Jason in Rocky Mountain, Virginia writes, and he says, Hey, guys, did any of you ever make a game-winning play in uh, sports, uh, Little League, high school, college, whatever? And if you did, what was your celebration that particular day? Um, I guess I'll go first. Uh, No. Uh, My claim to fame in youth sports was I hit one of the longest home runs in the history of Northwood Little League. That was, at the time, I was told, the same distance like Mark McGuire hit. I had a metal bat. I was tremendously fat and all this stuff and uh, made contact on the sweet spot. And they estimate that that ball I hit when I was like 13 years old went 450 feet. And uh, you know how they have the Little League fence and all that? Yeah. It was like twice the fence. It was insane. Oh, um, but that's my claim to fame. But it was not a game-winning home run or anything like that. It was just the most memorable youth sports moment I had. What about you, Gascon?
2: Uh
7: Well, my senior year, um, I played at a, at a small Catholic school down in San Pedro, but our field was not on campus. It was actually on the coast near Paseo Del Mar. So if you're familiar with like Palos Verdes and Rolling Hills, it's,
3: it's west of the four hundred five. For those of you that not in California, it, west of the four hundred five. If
7: you looked up Tenero Resort or Trump National down in PV, that's kind of where my baseball diamond was. Anyways, uh, a couple days prior to our first round playoff game, my grandfather had died, and he's a huge baseball guy. He's he's like you us. He just raw with baseball. Just talks about it all the time. Well. We're in a playoff game, but so is my sister. She was playing softball at the – there's a driving range down in in San Pedro. LAPD does their target practice at, and there's connected a softball field. So my dad, who was working at the time, was driving back and forth between our two games, which was about like 10 miles apart. Uh, Anyways, we played a school from up here called Campbell Hall, and I led the ball game off in the second inning with a solo home run. We bust the, the the gates wide open, Ben. It was seven to nothing into the seventh inning. A high school ball ends in seven innings. Well, the opposing team came back off of a couple errors and they tied it seven seven <laughs> into the into the bottom of the seventh. We were retired, so we go to extra innings. And at that point in the ball game, I was one for one in the ball game with a solo home run and two walks. Uh, I come up in the bottom of the eighth inning. I'm on deck, and the guy ahead of me. Hits a shot off the center field wall, just misses hitting a home run. And I come up next, and they bring in a relief pitcher, and supposedly this guy was their their ace, like their closer or whatever. And my coach says, just look for something to hit on the ground and, and beat it out, and and we'll try to get runners at the corners. First pitch I saw, Ben, I hit the shit out of this ball to dead center field, and how our field was was positioned, it goes over the cliff. So my ball went right into the Pacific Ocean. It was wild. And as I'm rounding first base.
3: Is this like the natural where he hits the light stanyin and it blows up? And
7: Almost. There was a blow up. So as I'm rounding first base, I'm like saying loud. I'm like, get out of here. Get out of here. Like talking shit. One of the guys on my team who had struck out in the pre- previous at bat started talking shit to the pitcher. They collide at the mound and there's a benches clearing brawl as I'm rounding second base. So I come around third, I touch home plate, and I stood there because I didn't want to get into the brawl and get ejected, right? Best part about this, Ben, was that there was an L.A. judge who was behind home plate, and he videotaped everything. So when the game (laughs) ended, the umpires wanted to throw a couple of our guys out and throw me out for saying that I started the altercation the umpires go to the judge and as soon as the judge goes to the umpires, my dad comes in from the parking lot and he's like what's going on? And the judge was like your kid hit a home run off my kid. Da 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 da. The umpires reviewed the tape. They uh, they called it a game winning home run. Ball game was over. And, and that's how it ended. So, my grandmother told me, she's like, I thought your grandfather carried that ball out. It was pretty awesome. It was emotional, you know. So, but it was fun. He, you, know? you
3: sounded just like Al Bundy in the last few minutes here from uh, back. I used well, to watch children. Well, you know, uh, I mean, one of, us, children. One, of us, High School.
7: one of us is really long witted for the majority of the time. And some of us are not. So, I had to get in my air time when I could. Wow. So, I'm coming up for some air right now. So, I turn it back over to you.
3: Listen, if you want to come on the <laughs> be Ben Mather show over the next month and do an entire hour of radio.
7: No, because that'll give you, Ralph an idea of coming in your fun studio <laughs> and that's the last thing you need at this moment <laughs> apocalypse ralph Irvin. i'll choose apocalypse
3: oh that is uh, uh tremendous all right th- we're doing grab bag these are actual questions by actual listeners like yourself what else do we have here let's see uh this one, one is uh, from mike in japan He says, will Commissioner Rob Manford finally bend over and give it to the Astros? Uh, No. 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 Now he doesn't have to. Now, you know, it's it's like, hey, you get the ultimate trump card excuse, the coronavirus. I can't do anything because of the coronavirus. Uh, Everyone's going to be using that as you got to have a fall guy. You got to have a fall guy. Yep. Uh, let's see. Who else do we have? Let's see. Uh, Joe in Mount Laurel, Pennsylvania, says, Ben and David, your bravery is unmatched in sports talk radio history doing this podcast in the coronavirus pandemic. <laughs> well, thank you, Joe. I appreciate that. Very kind of you to say that. And uh, we are risking our lives here. We are risking. our lives. You see that email they sent out, management sent out. They are putting precautions in. Yeah. At our, our facility there.
7: Our colleague, Rob Parker, has been quarantined. Is that right? Yes. I found out today <laughs> when I walked in the studio because I'd, I'd asked, you know, there's a lot of guys here that have wives and kids, and so yeah. I was curious because of the travel with a lot of our hosts on boats, on flights, like, hey, is there any kind of precautionary measures that we're taking? And then I found out Parker's quarantined. Well, he was
3: on a boat for... A week or whatever, yeah. right? Ten days or something like and that. Then know, he, like,
7: and then he flew to the East Coast. Like he flew up to like New York, I think it was. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. On lockdown.
3: Uh yeah, it's uh, no uh, no in studio guests. Uh, it's gonna really hurt our show. It's <laughs> no no in studio guests, I guess that's unfortunate. Uh, John writes and he says, in this time of the coronavirus, should we replace the handshake with a the fist bump, b the elbow tap, or c Jazz hands. What is jazz hands?
7: Jazz. Well, if you if you look up the game-winning goal that Alec Martinez scored against the New York Rangers in Game Five of the Stanley Cup Final in 2014, jazz hands is like he threw off his gloves and he started shaking his hands. Like, oh,
3: okay, you shake your fingers, kind of. Yeah, yeah. What, that's what, not. That's pretty cool. Why don't you we? You know do, what I would do? The do? air. I do the air high five. I do that with Roberto because no. I I practice good hygiene. I do the air high five.
7: Why can't we just be like McGuire and Conseco, Bash the, Brothers? Yeah, Bash yeah. Brothers go forearm checks.
3: That'd be good. That's very masculine. You know, Well, very what masculine are we? Well, we're big masculine people. <laughs> <Yeah. clearly.
1: laughs> Jesus.
3: Uh, a new in Oren, Owensboro, Kentucky, who regularly sends questions in. I don't think he's missed a week. No. Uh, and he says first, and he's clearly been drinking here because he says, I want to say, uh, uh, he says, this is for Gascon. He says, I, although most of the malamosia find you very annoying, I like the energy. Yeah. Uh, he says. Uh, he seems to enjoy your your um, stories, uh, which tells me he's not a discerning customer. No, that's a bad job by you. Well paid. Uh, he says, "I have uh, the question for you: Is what's it what's it like being the son of a cop?" He says, yeah. "And uh, what does your family think of the coronavirus?"
7: Well, being a son of a cop early on was brutal because my dad, he just like he was always stern with me, always serious, and I always walked on. Eggshells. He just – because my dad had the voice, the mustache, and the eyes where he would just beat you down. Like, to this day – Yeah, your, your dad
3: has, like, the ultimate police mustache.
7: Yes. Like, Jeff Kent, Tom Selleck. My dad's, like, right there. So
3: you should be able to grow that same mustache. I can't. Mustache.
7: No, I can't. He's got really? The, yeah, he's got the skills, man. He's uh, all right. All right, Ben, my senior year, we did – I don't know if you guys did it at your high school, but we did uh, a formal in the fall and then uh, a homecoming uh as well i mean prom in the spring my best friend colin his mom she let's just say she liked the party a little bit she was a flight attendant she always had a lot of fun owned a house like on the far side of san pedro like close to where eddie lives she lived in a cul-de-sac well the night of our prom we had a bunch of people that were getting together when school got out my dad had gotten a word of it that my buddy colin's mom was going to have a party there alcohol obviously no parents or whatever My dad rolled up in his undercover police car in the cul-de-sac and had that entire block's lights shut off, like the street lights shut off. So I had friends that were rolling up to this house with packs of beer, like six-pack, 12-pack, 24-pack, and my dad was sitting in the cul-de-sac and just shaming these people and they had to pour all their drinks out and leave. I I rolled up in a van with my friends and as soon as I saw the car I said, turn around and we went around, we went to another house party and like had fun the entire night. So I got away with it, but I got you know, I got pages that night throughout the night saying, "Hey, your dad fucked up our prom party." I was like, "No, he fucked up your prom party. He didn't fuck up mine." <laughs> so,
3: but yeah, yeah, they were probably pissed at your dad. Man. Oh yeah, like, what the fuck?
7: Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um, my dad was a cop though, and my mom was a teacher, so you know, I had it hard. Yeah,
3: well, as far as the coronavirus, I don't think you're any different than anybody. I mean, I I will tell you that my wife works at a police station and. So, and she comes home, obviously, and we're hanging out and stuff. So, I'm thinking, like, if anybody at the precinct she works at, she's a 911 operator, but if anyone gets the coronavirus, then then I get it. Yeah. Right? She's going to get it, and then I'll get it, and then uh, we're off to the races.
7: Now, have you done any kind of countermeasures at this time? I know you had that picture on Instagram with the toilet paper and paper towels, but- have you done anything else like vitamin uh, supplements? Nah, I mean, I'm
3: or... still, I'm still going to the gym. My wife wishes I wouldn't go to the gym until this is all settled down, but I feel like it's good uh, for my immune system, and I'm paranoid about losing, you know, gaining yeah. weight.
7: Well, two two uh, quick things so. that I, I did for my sisters and for my mom and dad was I bought um, a little packet. They're called drip drop, and it's powder, which is basically like a like an IV pack. Um, that's really good for rehydration, and then I also bought some Power Beets, um, that's good for your heart, your blood circulation, and whatnot. So I bought a lot of the other health products that people should be getting, that probably don't because they're too much, too busy stocking up on the paper and Yeah, paper you
3: know, and again, I'm, I'm really, I wish I was more concerned. Maybe I should be. Maybe I'm going to get the coronavirus because I'm not that concerned. Like, But I've read a lot of the facts. I haven't read the stories. I've read the facts. And the no. facts, unless they're complete bullshit, maybe they are. You know, deep state conspiracy. There's a lot of people peddling panic. Oh, yeah. And it, it reminds me to a degree, and maybe this will be proven correct. All these people, these doomsday prophecies that people are spreading from the science community will be proven correct. And you know, this will wipe out the, you know, general population and this will be terrible and many of us are gonna die and all that stuff. Or it's going to be like uh, back in the year 2000. I remember in the lead up to it was Y2K, <laughs> yeah. and there were people, respected people in the science community, that were getting on radio and television talking about how they, you know, you better bunker down. Buy it was, it was the same thing: buy water, buy toilet paper, yeah. because everything's going to shut down once we flip from 1999 to the year 2000, and uh, nothing fucking happened. Yeah, nothing happened. Now again, that's different. This is a pandemic. Um, so we'll, we'll see, but
7: but it's a pandemic. Know, not... It's not an apocalypse. It, it shouldn't cause the markets to tank like this. But well,
3: you... people, it's being fueled by social media. It's like dry brush and you throw some lighter fluid and light it on fire. It's gonna it's gonna go pretty far, right? It's gonna go pretty far. Uh, let's see I... what else we have. Uh, Kevin writes it. He says I I moved to Norway. I can now listen to your entire show. Uh, in the mornings, you're on in Oslo, Norway in the morning.
7: Oh, the capital.
3: Look at that. And nice. I uh, loved you on radio sports in New Zealand when I w- uh, He lived in New Zealand. Mm. He's from the U.S. He says he likes listening to the show and the podcast, A Slice of Home in a Crazy World. All right. Well, thank you, Kevin. That's cool. That's pretty neat. Mike from Cleveland writes in just heard a Skechers commercial. When did Tony Romo become an NFL legend? Uh, when he dropped the snap? Was that when he became. <laughs> Uh, You're a dick. Uh, I like like Romo, but uh, anything for a commercial. Jordan in Seattle writes in and says, Ben, what do you think of the state of sportsmanship in youth sports? Referees are in deep shortage due to the lack of sportsmanship in this country. Uh, Is what he uh, says. Yeah, you know, I, I believe in showmanship and bravado when you get to the professional ranks. But, yeah, when you're a kid... You know, these are life lessons, right? You're supposed to follow certain guidelines. I, I, the the parents, man, you go to these youth sporting events, the parents are just completely unhinged. They make every call, every official's out to get them and all that. I I I was very briefly an AYSO referee because uh, I wanted the uniform, and, uh, and I was a soccer referee when I was like a teenager. You could do it, and it was a debacle. I think I'd be a pretty good umpire, though. I think I'd be pretty. I'd be like the uh, the old umpire who died years ago, Derwood Merrill. Oh, strike! Yeah, great turning point. I I when I was a kid, I would used to go to Angel games all the time. I lived in Orange County, and I would sneak down in like the seventh inning, right behind the dugouts, and Derwood Merrill. I am convinced, pointed at me like seven times in a row. He like stared at me and pointed strike. It's pretty good. And, and here I am all these years later and I still have this very vivid memory of uh, of that so all right, what email do you have go ahead
7: uh what do I got
3: I got oh you, you know said what? you had some how I about d- the uh, high, how about the highway patrol guy that loves the show he likes me he doesn't like that's you
7: right. that's your that's our first CHP, right Ah uh, yes, that's our first CHP because we were talking about. Well, what were we talking I, about last week?
3: I told. Well, I, I need a, a CHP guy to vouch for me because I get like pulled over, you know. Because like there's. Oh, like, that's the, right
7: with your wife because your wife has the get out of jail f- free. Uh, yeah, she's
3: got uh, get out of jail free, but I need like a good CHP guy to help me out. And uh, I asked him. I think I jokingly said, "Hey, maybe you can send me a business card or something <laughs> like that." But I don't think he responded. So,
7: um, yeah. Our good friend, more so mine than yours, but uh, I'm a pilot. Uh, Man, you got
3: you have been all over this guy like are you white talking on about? rice. let we, it go. We
7: we've, <laughs> we've been talking, we've been communicating. I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Uh, you got to be kidding me. Why, why are you being frustrated?
3: Oh, well, cuz you're it's obvious what you're doing.
7: What am I doing?
3: You are like, you know, I've I've known you are making a move out of uh, certain women have this in their playbook. You're an opportunist. Oh, wow. Uh, we all You know, are. You're, you're the woman that goes in the bar and scans the room and tries to determine who's got the most power or influence, and yeah. that's where I'm going to go.
7: Uh, so I'm trying to do this with the pilot, you're saying.
3: Is it a coincidence, Gascon, that since you started flirting with the pilot, <laughs> that the travel industry has gone in the uh, shitter?
7: No, it's n- it's not.
3: That Right, I mean, are these things unrelated? Are these events unrelated, know. or I, are they related? The curse of Gascon. You, uh, you know, for years, for the last fifty years, if you had fr- a friend that was a pirate uh, pilot, you'd be in pretty good shape. Yeah, you'd be in pretty good shape. Now they're canceling all kinds of flights. No one wants to travel anywhere. They're they're traveling two petri dishes, and uh, and now you, now you've become friends with a pilot.
7: Uh, I just think you
3: it's, loggerhead.
7: I'm I'm bonding. That's what I'm doing. Anyway. He was reverting back to our uh, our conversation last week about baseball cards and collectibles. And he wanted to know what he should do because he has a box of, of cards. Uh, that includes like Cecil Fielder, Ben McDonald, Ricky Jordan. Uh, but he has all these cards and he has nothing to do with them now because the value has decreased so much on him. Like, what do you think he should do with them?
3: All right, so I'm in the same position. I'm, I believe, around the same age as I'm a pilot. So I, I've lived the same life. I invested in Ken Griffey Jr. upper deck rookie cards. Yeah. I invested in um, Billy Ripken fuckface face on the end of the bat <laughs> cards. I had a lot of those. I had the reverse negative Dale Murphy yeah. card that was worth a lot of money. and. So I, I have at my, uh, my my dad's house, my dad complains all the time, you got all these baseball cards, you want them, I'll drive them to your house. You know, And I'm like, no, no, we'll just leave them there. We'll just leave them there. Um, but you, you got to go through. There's probably some stuff that's worth money. Like I have, the, the most valuable cards I have are the Michael Jordan second year card, which I don't know how much it's worth now. It was worth a lot of money last I checked.
7: Was that upper deck?
3: No, basketball cards were not very popular at all. Um, I don't think it was upper deck. It was, uh, I had, I had like a Bill Walton rookie card, and uh, yeah, so I had a few of them, but that was just dumb luck. Like, I just bought a couple of boxes of basketball cards, and they weren't really popular. Baseball cards were popular. Basketball cards weren't popular. Football cards weren't really popular. It was only baseball that was popular. Yeah. Um, but as far as what you should do with it, I would go through it, try to figure out if there anything is worth something. I bet you that you have something that's worth some money. Sell that. And then the rest of it, you can dig a hole in your backyard with a shovel. Uh, put it all in the hole, in like a time capsule, and then cover the dirt, and then uh, say your uh, final uh, prayers.
7: Put it in a will. That's what you should do.
3: Or I- you can make, if you really want to give it away, you can go to like a card show and say, hey, uh, I got this. Or, or try putting it on an eBay and say, yeah. you know, for you know, 200 bucks, I'll give you an entire card collection, you know, something like that. Somebody might buy it. You My, never know.
7: Not bad. How about this? Jay Scoop. He has a question for both of us. The I'm... great
3: Jay Scoop, winner of the back-to-back talent show yeah. from Seattle, Washington. Great city, Seattle. I love Seattle.
7: Good dude. He says, I'm slowly approaching the release of my band's debut album and a road tour. It's probably going to be canceled, but I realize that our band name kind of sucks. At least it's not good enough. Right now is the best time to make a change before too long. Needs something catchy, but not dumb. And inspires a fun logo and t-shirt designs. If you had to pick a band name, what would it be? I'll go first, and I'll, okay. say, I'll say Emerald Hayes. Would be a good e- Emerald
3: Hayes. I- I'm sure there's a band already named Emerald Hayes.
7: You think? Don't so? you think? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I'm not big in the. I don't know. I'll Have to look that up.
3: You have to look that up. Well, yeah. you-, you need something that has to do with muscle, don't you? I mean, you want to show that you're strong and powerful. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, what I'm would like
7: it be? Green Day isn't really a strong name, or.
3: Well, I'm okay.
7: Emerald Hayes. Uh, That's a cannabis company.
3: Uh, what would be a good band name? I'm trying to think here. Uh, this is where you're Mortal Kombat. How about Mortal Combat <laughs> the Bad with the band? Would that work?
7: You got to do it with a K instead of a C, or what? how about
3: Crack Commandos? Would that be good? Like you the just, A team back in the day, the you, Crack Commandos. You're
7: or? defecating on the idea of giving j Scoop's band a name.
3: But no, I I, I want to see J Scoop do very well. I would be no, I would be so happy if J Scoop moved up to like Rusev level, and became like yeah. that band just took off yeah. and became massively big, and and then I could brag to my friends that yeah. I knew J Scoop before. He became this almighty, all-powerful music mogul.
7: Opportunist, Uh, yeah.
3: That would be be great. Well, no, I don't. That's not like Rusev does anything for me. You know what I'm saying? Nothing really going on. He's a fan of the show, and he still listens. He's a good human being because he likes the Clippers. You know, and all that uh band name. don't they have band name generators on the internet don't they have that
7: probably don't be lazy you were just boasting about your improv skills like two days ago and all of a sudden you have nothing on the table. how about
3: how about a uh, how about a band called status quo Would that be good no you're you don't like lame. status quo that doesn't work you're lame that's not lame it's... how about bridge to nowhere that'd be good that, that, right bridge a, to
7: nowhere that's actually pretty good
3: that's not bad that's bridge good. to
7: nowhere yeah
3: you know it's uh I don't know. You you could do that. You could do, um, I don't know. What's that political term? Pork barrel. Pork barrel spending. (laughs) How about just pork barrel spending as the name of your band?
7: Maybe. I don't know. How Uh,
3: about white whale?
7: No. No? People
3: search for the white whale their entire lives. They never see the white whale.
7: Yeah, they might think it's discrimination against other kind of whales.
3: Or fat people. Maybe. And calling people fat. It's an Uninclusive term. Yeah. Uh, how about Law of Karma as a name of a band? Would that be good? Law of Karma. Wait, I got one. Cause and effect. With that? No? No. You don't like cause and effect?
7: I like your original one better.
4: All right.
3: Anything else you got there, buddy? Any uh, other uh, band names you want to come up with here?
7: No, no. I don't think. I was looking at emails. Terry sent a, an email to me just... You know, patting me on the back. I thought it was a good job by him. He's out Yeah, in the UK. I think
3: Terry's got the coronavirus. Shut you know, up. Yeah, he must.
7: Are well, you getting mad that some of your listeners are actually applauding me? me well, a- they say
3: there's a certain percentage of society that just completely gets um, brainwashed by anything. Yeah, and you know, so you're getting those people, those very few people that are not discerning customers of audio content. Listen, that are I, falling for you.
7: I am. I, I am the. I'm Vegas here. You're the. You're the joke. Public and I'm Vegas. Everyone's That's right. I
3: am the man of the people. Yeah. You are correct. You're finally getting uh, it here. I, got, I am the working class I people's get, talk
7: show host. I got the sharps that come my way, and you get the you get the yeah. the lively chalk that goes your way.
3: So I'll go back to the coronavirus briefly. <laughs> so the business I work in, sports radio, I've been texting some friends of mine and we were trying to determine like what's gonna happen next in our business, because we're worried about ourselves. Yeah. Do the ratings go up? Do we have more people listing in the next month, even though there's no sports going on, because of A, curiosity, B, boredom, and you need something to do to entertain yourself? Uh, I mean, is that a possibility? Or... Are we just talking to ourselves here? Are we, you know, I'd be better off going out and talking into a garden hose. More people would hear me.
7: Well, I
2: don't
7: um, Every show is different, but like your show is a dynamic show where you get other ones that are straight like talk at you radio. So I think every yeah. show is different. I and mean, because you listen to a lot across the United States, there's certain shows and hosts that only talk at you, others are more of like a morning style, free flowing type of environment. Yours isn't like that.
3: Yeah. And as, as long as commerce continues, like I'm assuming that the truck drivers, there are a lot of truck drivers that drive around having to deliver uh, toilet paper at the stores and shit like that. So they, yeah. they have to be up driving all night and all that. So we got them. That's a captive audience. Yeah. The, the guys in prison, they can't go anywhere.
7: Law enforcement?
3: Law enforcement still has to work, sure.
7: Yeah, public servants, firefighter. Um, government officials, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. So I think we'll, well I think we'll be okay. And uh, the other thing that it's, it's really goes back to what we were talking about earlier with human nature. Yeah. Um, I know from, from the past, scandal, death, pandemic, uh, that it's human nature at a primal level. You actually listen more. Like people want to hear, they want to consume this communal experience. And since you can't actually get together in public in a lot of these places where the coronavirus has uh, raged on, uh, it's a way to get everyone together without actually touching each other and being in the same room We yeah. listening to the radio, which is kind of cool.
7: Yeah, you know what? Kind of neat. I called the first round of the Big West Conference tournament on Tuesday night inside the pyramid in Long Beach.
3: My condolences, humble brag <clears throat> desk on.
7: No, but Ben, it was an empty gym, and the best part was is my radio call actually bled into the ESPN call, so it's pretty awesome.
3: That is good. Yeah, I remember when the White Sox played the Orioles five years ago and they had no fans. Yeah. And the broadcasters were they were they started talking in a golf voice because they realized the players on the field could hear everything they were saying from the press boxes. There's no <laughs> there was no crowd noise to drown out what the broadcasters were saying.
7: Yeah. That's pretty good. It's pretty
3: wild, man. Pretty wild. All right, we have some study this. You want to do a little study uh, this I real quick?
7: No, your your former executive producer, Robert Guerra, has uh has just told me to get the fuck out of here.
3: Is that right?
7: Yeah, he says- Well, fuck
3: him. All right, <laughs> let's do study this. All right, uh, let's see here. Well, What percentage of workers are too intimidated to tell their boss about problems?
7: I'd say, I'd say high. I'd probably go like 80%. Uh,
3: not that high, but high. 60% of employees say they are too intimidated to tell their boss about problems. I would say I'm in that category, but not- because I'm intimidated by my boss my bosses are pretty cool but I've experienced in my professional career that out of sight out of mind is not a bad thing that once you get on the radar of your boss then they start snooping around you know what I mean mm-hmm. you know like if I they don't really think much about the overnight show but if I start saying hey I got a problem with you know so-and so then they start snooping around yeah. and it creates other problems yeah You know what I'm saying?
7: Yeah. I mean, that's part of the reason why you brought me on during the summer of uh, 2019 to be your producer, because you needed some help. So, I appreciate that. Well, uh, I felt uh,
3: bad for you. No, you didn't. Toss a dog a bone. You don't feel bad for anybody? Toss a dog a bone. Uh, What percentage of Americans claim they watch television with their pet?
7: Oh, fuck. (laughs) Um, Women with cats, I'd say, I don't know, 62%. Yeah. All right.
3: It's
7: 46%. that's not bad.
3: Uh, This is bullshit. Pets don't watch television. They don't. Um, I have my my dog Bella. Bye bye, Car Bella. When um, we're watching TV at the house and Bella will be in the room hanging out, Bella's like staring at us, waiting us for for us to eat something and drop food. <laughs> not staring at the TV. So I guess technically in the room, but not really watching the the TV. All right. New studies uh, reveals how many years does it take to reach best friend status? Two. No. You're wrong. Four years. New study says four years you become a best friend. So that means you're not anywhere. You cannot be my best friend. Cannot be my best friend. Uh, Let's see here. A new study shows veganism is up by 300% in the U.S. 9.7 million Americans now claim to be (laughs) plant-based.
7: If they watch Super Size 2, I might believe that.
3: Yeah, but that doesn't mean you're healthy. That's like another like My dad eats vegetarian burgers all the time, and it's filled with shit. Yeah. Filled with chemicals. You could, but the, the, the vegetarian burgers, you put that MSG in there, boom, you're good, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sprinkle that on everything.
7: Can I get a dash of MSG with my fries, please?
3: Yeah, ex- exactly. Uh, all right. New survey revealed what percentage of Americans claim they have thrown out their partner's stuff after a heated argument.
7: Oh man, um, you know I'll go low at this. I'll go like twenty-two percent.
3: So you think twenty-two percent? Yes. All right. Uh, it is low, but it's uh, it's a little lower than that. Ten percent. Okay. That's a real douchebag move to throw somebody's stuff out. I mean, that's that's psychotic. Yes.
7: Yeah, it is.
3: You've never done that, have you?
7: No, I've kept some stuff too, but little souvenirs, trinkets. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Uh, I got gotcha. you. All right. A hey, uh, new survey says. Half of all Americans would rather pay somebody to do this for them instead of doing it themselves.
7: Clean their house?
3: Uh, no. Laundry? No. One more guess. Wash do, their do, car. Do, do. Yes. How about that, Gascar? Yeah. Wash their car. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't mind washing my car. I just feel like the process takes too long. Yeah we should expedite the process of washing the car because I like to do it right. You know, I want to wash the inside, the outside. I'm a big wash the inside guy. Yeah. Uh, All right, last study this, and uh, it's about art. Uh, Check this out. According to new research, in 2017, 23 million American adults took an art class or art lessons. That is more than the total number of people that attended an NFL game (laughs) that year. So the art community is braggadocious here, Gascon, that art is – I would like to think that art is bigger than the NFL, right? Yes. Because, because the art classes are year-round. Art lessons are year-round. The NFL plays in a, only one game a week. Yeah. And they play only part of the year.
7: Of course. And you so, can study of art. Of course,
3: now that. they might not play at all.
7: <laughs> yeah, XFL you know. uh, announced that they canceled their – suspended their season too. So XFL, yeah. NHL, NBA, Major League Baseball – college athletics
3: it's can i get a raise from my bosses because i i mean i got i still got four hours whether they're playing or not you, you know? know maybe i should only do two hours i can just do two hours you know, instead of four
7: the the best thing with this pandemic going on right now ben is all you got is me that's the best thing about it well, i like, got nothing I, I got nothing no you you got your you got your trusty sidekick you got that pistol you got that uh that whippersnapper snapper in your corner, so you're
3: lucky. Got a water gun, is what I got. Bullshit, uh, you do. You're a water gun, is what you are. <laughs> What's that?
7: I said bullshit, you do.
3: Yeah, you know what you are. You're like going to combat, and one side has hand grenades, and my side has bean bags. No. You're a bean bag, is what you are. You
7: know, I'm, I'm like the I'm like White Herbs peacemaker. That's exactly what I am. Like a little court, Colt 45 action for you. Yeah. Anyways,
3: all right. We we'll put the baby to bed. Yes. Yes. We got all right. We, listen, we, be safe. We,
7: we got to be followed on Instagram, Twitter.
3: Yeah, yeah. Follow me on Instagram, Ben Maller on Fox on Instagram. I need to get my followers up. Ben Maller on Fox on Instagram uh, and on Twitter, Ben Maller, and on Facebook, it's Ben Maller Show. Yes. So I've got three different names for each platform, <laughs> which is really not what you're supposed to do. <laughs> I just realized that. Yeah. I just realized that every platform has a different name. Uh, It's crazy. Yeah. All right. And you're on there. Gag on, right? The gag on account. Instagram
7: is at Dave Gascon. At gag on. Okay. Twitter is at David J. Gascon. At gag on. And I don't use Facebook because I'm not a nerd. So uh, wow, yeah, I, it's you know I don't need uh, to have... You
3: don't want to relate to your your old grandpa, grandma, uncles, aunts, all uh, cousins. No. Uh, you're a schmuck.
7: Uh, I actually use the telephone. I text them. I call them. I, I don't use yeah. the telephone. I yeah. know uh, you could get
3: the coronavirus using your phone. You're a fool. All uh, right, listen, have a great weekend. Again, be safe. Uh, boy, if you really want to tune in to a car wreck, listen to some sports radio over the next couple of weeks. It is going to be amazing. I am going to go deep in my bag of tricks. Like I said earlier, I'm going to do every hack thing to fill time you can possibly want. But anyway, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks.
5: If you love to be remembered as the person who gives the best birthday gifts,